eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Not much. Not, not. I got nothing. Uh, I don't know. Is, is your Christmas tree finally down? I haven't even noticed. Oh, it's behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it down. I mean, what month are we in? The Bengals bro? lost. I think we're good. That means it, it brings zero luck. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't bring good or bad luck. You know, sometimes I like a Christmas tree on and I, I don't have decorations on it. There's just lights on it. So I feel like sometimes you don't want all the overhead lights on and you can just turn your Christmas tree on. Um, so far, yeah, I mean, we're getting into March. I'll probably just keep it up. I think a lot of people start decorating for Christmas around November. So it'll be here before you know it. Uh, it is National Chili Day. So Cincinnati treats it like a holiday. Are you, are you a Skyline Ooh. fan? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? You are? I, I don't know. Some people, yeah. if they don't live in Cincinnati, they're like, "Oh, I mean, it's overhyped." I'm not a, I'm not a Skyline Chili fan, but I mean, I like it. Oh, you, you like it? Old... You weren't saying that you think what? No, no, no. I, I think there are a lot of people from out of town. They're like, um, "Oh, yeah, okay, Skyline. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." Even my uh, fiance, who uh, not an Ohio person, she liked it. So that is uh, score one. I got a Pittsburgh Steelers fan into Skyline. We love it. We love it. Uh, we'll move on to the latest news for the Cincinnati Bengals. The news everybody was waiting for when it comes to extensions. Uh, they extended their long snapper, Kyle Adamidas. And I think that also brings a quick question. So you, can't, so you can't extend anytime you want. I wasn't sure. Honestly, it feels like every team waits until the very end or right before we get into free agency that that happens. So, yes, Cal is coming back in kind of, you know, a few questions because Clark Harris was injured early in the season. Everybody remembers how Clark Harris was injured and uh, the difference maker and, and why, why we should always praise a long snapper. They can be um, just it's just very painful to look back on week one right now without Clark Harris. But he's been on the team forever. He's a legend. I think they need to put him in the ring of honor immediately. Uh, but it sounds like, not sounds like, I mean, when you extend your long snapper and Cal, that maybe Clark is hanging it up or they'll be moving on from Clark Harris. Clark was one game away from having the most games played as a Bengal. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of stinks, right? Yeah. 
yeah, he was always a legend. I always kind of felt like just a good dude, funny guy on the sideline. And Evan McPherson's rookie year was a big part of that. And when you do make that change with Cal, and I know Evan has had his moments this season, but overall, you know, how do you feel like Cal did this year? I mean, I'm not really grinding the uh, Cal Adamitis long time take too much, but I do think it was at least fine. Like, I don't think it was bad. I do think there were a few high snaps. Like, if there's anything, he snaps it high sometimes, but the process still seemed pretty much where it needs to be, especially in the punt punt coverage or uh, in the punting game. Like, he's in punt coverage, but yeah, like punting. I don't remember a bad snap, but kicking, I remember a couple high snaps, but it wasn't anything too bad. I remember before Clark Harris, the Bengals had bad long snapping, didn't they? Because I remember there was a an extra point. This is a long time ago. It was like 2008 because I think Harris was in 09. But the guy just snapped the ball over everybody's head. <laughs> the professional long snapper. And I was just like, oh, uh, Hopefully they get this figured out sometime and then you get Clark Harris for over a decade and never really missed a snap. I think a lot of Bengals fans will remember Brad St. Louis. It was a Christmas weekend. I want to say if they would have made it, the game was in Denver. If they would have made it, they would have made the playoffs that year. So probably 2006. Um, And unfortunately it was a bad snap. So Brad St. Louis forever lives in Bengals fans minds when that happened um, almost 20 years ago. Uh, So ever since Clark Harris, they've been doing pretty good. But I actually want to stay with special teams right now. You mentioned punting. And unfortunately, I feel like it was up and down this season, even in that you could go back to the AFC Championship game with Drew Chrisman. uh, Wasn't ideal. Do you think that's something that they're going to look to pick up in free agency or maybe late in the draft? Yeah. Draft, definitely. I just – he had his ups. But he might have had his worst game in the AFC Championship, and he was an undrafted free agent. It's easy to get out of the contract. If they see an upgrade, they'll at least give him competition. The guy just can't get hang time. I I don't know what it is with Crispin, but he can't buy hang time, and he's not a really good directional punter. Not a good mixture, and we saw that on the Tony punt return. It was it was a it wasn't short. It was like fifty yards, but it was down the middle. And was up there like a bullet, like two seconds, maybe three. You want to get to that three and a half, four seconds. Get your guys downfield. Like when the punt, when the punt returner catches the ball and you don't see anybody else on the screen, your punter messed up. (laughs) That's what it is. That's not by design um, because just think about it. He's got a free 10 yards just running forward. So, or at least five, six, seven, like you don't want that. You want fair catches. You want things on the sideline, especially if he's catching it and then just immediately can run. Like if he has to turn around, like he's catching it over his shoulder, turn around like the Willie Mays catch or something, or, you know, he's running sideline to sideline and catching it that way. That's a little different. I remember it wasn't Tony. It was Sky Moore. I don't know why I keep saying Tony, Uh, but I remember Sky Moore. He caught that. He was just immediately running, like almost just caught it on the run, just kept going. It was like, oh, no. And there's nobody on the screen to make a play. Or if they were, they were just coming into the screen. It was like, yeah, that's that's a bad punt. And that's a big reason they lost that game. I would say as impactful as the penalty to Osai, you're talking 15 yards on that. 
but you're talking probably an extra what 15 yards on the punt return too like it shouldn't have been that long i would prefer he kicked that thing 45 and out of bounds out of bounds that's what's so surprising to me and not to go back to the AFC championship game. And I wasn't planning on talking about the puncher in this episode, but we haven't talked about Drew Christman's season with Cincinnati. And unfortunately just, I don't feel like it worked out for him. And of course he did get that late start this season when he was activated over Kevin Huber. But at the same time, you go back to the AFC championship game. I think about that all the time. You know, why did Drew Christman's, you know, a punter, he knows, you know, smart, things to do in a game and, and to did not punt it at least out of bounds in that moment. Um, that really, that really messed with that game. Um, definitely one of the, one of the reasons that they lost the AFC championship game, but we'll move on because this is the time of year. It is February 23rd and it's when, you know, you hear these, these players get released from teams. Contracts are getting restructured. Linebacker Bobby Wagner was released today. You put a tweet out there. I think some Bengals fans are like, well, hey, Cincinnati, why don't you bring him here? I saw someone tell you, uh, well, maybe the Baltimore Ravens would pick him up. And I'd be really surprised if the Baltimore Ravens picked him up, to be completely honest. But tell fans why Bobby Wagner's not coming to Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to pay two linebackers, right? And that's the whole idea on why you're not keeping Jermaine Pratt is, well, you can't pay two linebackers. That's you know, not the most valuable position. Can't be throwing money at that position like that. Why would you pay Bobby Wagner what he's going to get in free agency if you wouldn't do it for Jermaine Pratt? It just makes no sense to me because I think Pratt's better in coverage. I, mm. At least the last – not better than like prime Bobby Wagner. That's not what you're getting. You're getting – a pretty good Bobby Wagner, but he's on the decline. And this season could be further decline than last season and the season before. You don't know. You're, he's at an age uh, where that could happen. Pratt's young. Like, it makes a ton of sense why you could re-sign Pratt. It's just you don't want to pay that much money to linebackers. So why would you go out of your way to sign Bobby Wagner to what he's going to want? Like, the only way I see Bobby Wagner being signed in Cincinnati is like a one-year, $5 million deal. And I don't think he wants that. No, and I'll stay with this with Pratt. Do you feel like that helps Bobby Wagner getting released helps Cincinnati try to retain Jermaine Pratt? Uh, maybe a little bit. He might not be everybody's top linebacker. I don't know if he was before that. I haven't really looked at the position because I don't think the Bengals are going to spend money on it. Like I just said, they're not spending money on Pratt, so they're not going to really bring in an external guy who wasn't part of the system that took him to the AFC Championship game this year and the Super Bowl last year. So. I haven't looked, but he's up there as one of the top linebackers. I know that much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it could give you a little bit of help. Maybe Pratt wants to wait till next year for it now or something, but I doubt it. I think Pratt's just going to – he's going to want to get paid somewhere. He's going to want to play three downs somewhere, which up and down, whether he did in Cincinnati. Like, he did, but then he wouldn't. There'd be games where he, a lot of times he'd get pulled off the field for Trey Flowers or Dax Hill or – even Akeem Davis Gaither. So I think that started irritating him, which he tweeted about. Oh. Uh, he wants to make money. He wants to be a three down linebacker. He thinks he can do that. I think he can do that. It makes total sense why he wants to leave. And it makes sense that Cincinnati wants, is going to let him go. Well, that one time I did tweet, you know, who should the Bengals extend or top priority on the list? He did tell me that it should yeah. be so um he definitely wants to maybe maybe stay in Cincinnati but at the same time I get this when I talk about some of the free agent moves or or what the Bengals should do internally I don't mention linebacker 
And it, and it's not because I don't think that Jermaine Pratt should be on this team. I'd love Jermaine Pratt to be a part of this defense. That would be absolutely huge. I just think that their focus is going to be on the Logan Wilson extension. At the same time, I think it's going to be Akeem Davis-Gaither. Maybe they're going to believe in Marcus Bailey getting more reps. But I don't see this team, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see them adding another linebacker, or at least like a star linebacker. Yeah. Uh, not, I, I don't see them adding a linebacker. Do you like maybe in the draft, but it wouldn't be a first, second round pick. It'd be like a third, fourth round pick where they seem to find the sweet spot. Yeah. I, I just, I know it, there's going to be a hole to, to fill, but I think, you know, now, now is this time. Akeem, Akeem Davis Gaither, you're like I said, Marcus Bailey, he was more of a special teams guy, but you, you have more reps with him on the defensive side. I think they believe in their unit that they have and, you know, they'll just be without Jermaine Pratt. So that's my take. And look, they could surprise us and maybe pick someone up late um, in the NFL draft, but I do not see that right now. So speaking of the off season, We've talked plenty about some of the draft prospects, you know, what room the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be really focusing on at 28. But what is your offseason plan? It doesn't have to be too complicated. And you can talk about the internal guys when it comes to free agents, what you're looking for early in the draft picks. I know uh, Twitter didn't like the running back call at 28, but now I'm on board. I want an offensive playmaker. For you personally, when you think of the next two months, the first day of the draft to early second day, and then you look at free agency that's just a few weeks away, what would you like the Cincinnati Bengals to do? Oh, man. Well, for free agency, I'm, I'm going to keep uh, pounding the table for Javon Hargrave just because I think it would make a lot of sense. So that's that's my guy in free agency, I guess. I don't think they do it, though. Then I mean, it just kind of stinks because this would be the – I feel like this is the time to try to maximize that two-year window they have right now before money starts hitting – give Javon Hargrave some three-year deal you may be able to get out of it in that third year third year pretty easily too if the cap starts hitting you but man like it's just what they were missing in the in the AFC championship game was constant interior pressure they've got DJ Reader up the middle and he can do a little bit of that but that's not what you want your nose tackle spending all of his energy doing the guy's 300 something pounds <laughs> he's gonna he's one of the best run stoppers you should keep most of his energy for that because you know, there's only so much in the tank for those types. You know? So I, I think Javon Hargrave would add a lot. I don't know if they do it. Um, David Onyemata might be able to do something a little bit similar um, as a pass rusher and he'd be cheaper and he kind of fits the Bengals mold a little bit better. Also was a new Orleans saint, which they seem to like. Uh, so maybe that's where they could go. I just think you should add interior defensive line, uh, somebody who can get pressure from there. Yeah, I think it's extremely important because you can go back to the AFC Championship game. You can go back to the Super Bowl. What wrecked the game for them? Yes, we all point to the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals and being without three starters in the AFC Championship game. And I still don't know how Joe Burrow was able to get to the Super Bowl with his offensive line that he had in 2021. But at the same time, you do. You need the pressure on the quarterback. And that's just something that they really struggled with. And I think that addition, if he is there, let me ask you this. If you're looking at 28, we've talked plenty offensive weapons when it comes to the tape of a defensive guy, and they just happen to fall a little bit to 28. Who would you take at 28 when it comes to the D-line? Um, Kalijah Kansi's interesting if he's there. Uh, he's only 280 pounds on the interior defensive line. That didn't stop him from drafting Zach Carter. But he's not really a good run defender. Like He'll get moved in the run game, especially on double teams. 
but he's such a good pass rusher. I don't want to overthink it. Like, yeah, there's an issue there, but to me, you put him in between reader and Hubbard on rundowns on mix downs so that he can be lifted up, you know, rising tide lifts all ships type thing, you know, uh, always so much you could do to a guy when the two guys next to him are beasts in the run game and then passing downs, let him loose uh, and probably only really not only play him on passing downs, but play him mostly, or at least play him on most third downs because that's where he's going to make his money. Such a good pass rusher. It's hard to find guys like that where not only does he have the get off or the moves or the movement ability, it's just, yeah, he's got all of that. And then to go with it, you know, so a little bit of bend, burst, athleticism, and natural leverage because he's kind of short. It's a lot like Gino was, although I'm not going to call him Gino Atkins just because that is very lofty. But it's it's what I'm into. I mean, Javon Hargrave isn't a good run defender either. <laughs> it's just what they're missing. Well, we will see. We have plenty of episodes until we get to the NFL draft. But uh, I'm all about getting more guys on your D-line and getting pressure on the quarterback. Next, we're going to get to the mailbag. Thanks for finally sending your Twitter questions. Uh, make sure you're following Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson. We'll be, in it. we'll be back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Mike Santagata, Lindsey Patterson. Thank you for sending your mailbag questions. I know it's the offseason, but we want to hear from you. We are going to start right now with Greg Wallace. He says, based on the continued success of teams finding successful late-round running backs, KC, the latest example, is there ever a reason to go RB1 in the first round in today's NFL? I appreciate you both. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the hit rate's much better. Uh, You can look at KC was successful. Yes. I'm going to read off the other seventh-round running backs since – 2020, and you can tell me if you even recognize any of these people. Okay. Britton Brown, Xander Horvath, Jake Funk, Garrett Dokes, Kylan Hill, Jermar Jefferson, Eno Benjamin, Raymond Calias, Mike Weber, Colin Gillespie, Kareth White, Chandler Cox, Miles Gaskin, David Williams. I, I, I'm way past. I'm in 2018 now. Bo Scarborough, Nick Bowden, Justin Jackson. That's why you don't just draft a running back in round seven and go like, yeah, he could be the lead horse. Look at Pacheco. It's like, yeah, Pacheco was awesome. And Chris Carson's awesome. I do. I do remember Mike Weber because he's 
he tweeted something back in like maybe five or six years ago about Joe Burrow being a star in the NFL. Maybe like oh, he's he's player. from Ohio State. Yes. Uh, if I look up his stats, is he over or under 200 career yards? I bet it's under. I bet it's under. I bet it's under. <laughs> yeah. All of his pictures are Ohio State. So yeah, um, the, no, not in the NFL. So like that's that's your seventh round guys you're really looking at, and then I mean you look at sixth round. It's not that different since 2020. Kevin Harris, Tyler Beatty, Keontae Ingram, Treston Ebner, Elijah Mitchell, Gary Brightwell, Larry Roundtree, Chris Evans, <laughs> Demetric Felton, Khalil Herbert. Um, like some of those guys are fine, but it's it's like a lot of Darwin Thompson was one, John Kelly. It's like a lot of guys that don't do anything. It, it's and some of them get shots. You think of I think of Rodney Anderson was one of those too. Um, I think of guys like. You know, the Travion Williams was drafted there. Chris Chris Evans, they, they haven't liked him for whatever reason. I think it's pass protection. And I think he really – I think the vision's spotty. I think he likes to bounce things. I think that's also why he drew holding calls. It's just when he played preseason defenses, he's able to, you know, use a little athleticism and get away. But, yeah, it's like Alfred Blue types. Latavius Murray's in there. It's not a lot of hits. It's not a lot of guys you feel comfortable. Like, this guy can take 50% of the running back work. It's fine. That's that's the ideal situation is to find a running back in this scenario. It's just your your day three picks. I think round four is a good spot to find um, a, a contributor as a running back. But your your fifth, your sixth, your seventh round picks, those usually don't turn into real good players. Like you're not finding, to me, you're not finding the mix and replacement in the sixth or seventh round if that's your goal. And I even look at the fifth round, like it's better. You can find there's, there's more hits, but still like people remember the Aaron Jones. They don't remember the Brian Hills, the Reichwell Armsteads, the Ben Masons. It's like, there's a ton of guys that did nothing in the league at that pick. And I'm sure if they showed enough in the preseason, they would be able to take that job. But is, I don't know. Well, I'm I'm at the point where I think people think that you could take a day three running back, and as long as your offensive line is okay, they'll plug right in and they'll be good. And I just think that's kind of disrespectful to the position because you know, I know it's a big running back doesn't matter movement. Bijan Robinson is just such a better prospect. Like my, the the floor for Bijan Robinson is probably like a top fifteen running back in the league at least by year three, and the ceiling is like top three running back. You're not finding that in the fifth, sixth, seventh round really. Even Pacheco is more of just like, he's a solid starter. Uh, it's not that he's a beast. He's splitting time with McKinnon. And I don't know. that That's where I am. It's just I think there is a point to getting the running back in round one, in round one especially because you're this late. It, top 10, no. But once you get outside like the top 15, 16, 20 picks, you're not – it's not a bunch of elite talent. The issue with taking Zeke was that he went over Jalen Ramsey. The issue with taking Barkley is he went over Denzel Ward. Is you thinking B. John Robinson at 28 as he goes over Anton Harrison or Dewan Jones? I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that's something crazy. Do you think it was helpful that he was on the Chiefs and they obviously had a very successful season with this offense? That That's why people are talking about you can get your running back. Yeah, of course. That's obviously why. Like there's no, I mean, you bring a really good point. I don't think anybody's talking about when it comes to, oh, you can just get a running back late. This team 
they don't have a secured running game. We don't know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. I don't think you can give Joe Mixon $12 million this year. You just can't. You have to either restructure, which is something they don't do, or you cut Joe Mixon. Samaj P. Ryan, not under contract right now. Look, maybe you can bring him back for 2 or $3 million. But at the same time, you know, maybe he goes to another team. He put him, you know, yeah, he had some reps last season that might help another. Oh, I think teams will be interested because finding a pass protector like him is pretty rare. That's hard to do. So it is important to talk about the run game. And and then I, I hear, and I promise we're going to get to your mailbag questions, probably going to move them to the third segment too. But I want to bring up a point with the run game. The people who don't want to get a running back at 28 are saying, well, the Bengals didn't run the ball last year. They didn't even run the ball in the AFC championship game. They couldn't, they couldn't get the run game going. If they the, could get I will say the run game was efficient, not explosive. I thought it, when you look at a lot of the advanced statistics after week five, when they changed to a more power run game, they were top five in um, success rate and uh, expected points added per play. It's just, there are no explosive runs. Like you look at the longest run for each game, it's like 15 yards. So like Kings of getting five yards and staying ahead of schedule, but nothing else. And you need that explosion. And I just, I know Mixon was hurt for a lot of the year. So you want to give him some benefit of the doubt, but he's supposed to be the explosive guy. And he, he wasn't. And does that get better as he gets older? I think it's fair to ask the question. And I think it's fair to look at it and think like, maybe you add a B. John Robinson or you don't add B. John Robinson. Cause you're so against running back in the first round, even though it's a 28th pick and you're getting a top five talent. Maybe you add somebody in the second round. Jameer Gibbs is explosive. Zach Jarvin has got some explosion to, I, I like Zach Jarvin because he reminds me a lot of Cedric Benson. So that's, that's kind of my guy in the second round, but you, you look at those guys, you look in the third round, there's some guys there. Fourth round, even, you can maybe find somebody that can be the mix in to Samaj P. Ryan. But it's tough. Like, I agree that keeping Mixon is fine at a lower number. It's just, I think he's getting up to the age where you might question whether or not he still can be that explosive. I don't question whether he's good, and I don't question whether he can keep the offense ahead of the chains. I just... I do question whether or not he can get the explosive plays, which is something that's really missing. So that that's my whole opinion. That's why I would I would take Bijan over Michael Mayer because the Michael Mayer comp is like Heath Miller types. It's not Gronk. It's not I don't know the tight end in the first round thing isn't hasn't been that great either. Like the running backs have a higher hit rate there, but yeah, in my opinion, uh, and I'm not against Michael Mayer either. I don't think B. John Robinson is even going to be there. So we're having all this talk about yeah. running back and it's not even going to happen. Like I wouldn't take Jameer Gibbs in the first round because I don't think he is as good in tight spaces. And I don't think he's very willing as a pass protector. He knows what he's doing. He just gets railroaded uh, because he's small. So I, I don't think they'll love that. So th the thing is, I wouldn't be so into B. John Robinson if he wasn't great pass protection, if he wasn't a good receiver, if he wasn't a great runner, like he hits all three. There's not a ton of running backs that hit all three like that. It's prime Zeke did that. Aaron Jones can do that. Austin Eckler a little bit, but I don't know if you're going to put him as a great runner. It's hard. And so I think that it adds a lot to your offense. Yeah. They didn't run the ball a ton, 444 touches to the running back or opportunities. I count targets, not catches. 444 opportunities to the running back position in the Bengals offense last year. And it was more the season before that. There is stuff there. That's the most touches out of any position for one player. Like wide receivers might be getting more looks, but it's spread out over like five guys. So to just one, two, maybe three, but really just two players 
about 400 touches between them, 400 opportunities. If you can get more explosive plays out of that, you're golden. That I think, I think there's a very strong argument for why you would take a running back early. And I, I know it would stink, but for Mixon and fans who love Mixon, who feel loyalty to him, and I have loved what he does on the field, but I'm not opposed to moving on because you you talk about how round one running back is bad and you just find a day three guy. If you're going for a day three guy, I think you got to keep Mixon. And then if you got to keep Mixon, does, can you get him to lower the contract? The thing with Bijan is I feel like it's goodbye Mixon, sadly, because you can't pay a guy oh. that much and draft one round one. Anyway, that's my long uh, talk here just to say, I don't think you could plug in any day three running back. I still think running back matters a lot to the Bengals offense and it's some, and they were missing some stuff for the run game. It's not that they run the ball a ton. That's why you draft Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson's a modern running back who can pass protect and receive. That's the big thing. Pass protect is where I think is extremely important for this team and what they're going to be looking for. And everyone needs to remember the offensive line coach is also the run game coordinator. So if this guy's there at 28, I'm sure he's uh, he would be pumped if if they can add Robinson. But at the same time, I agree with Joe Mixon. Uh, obviously, would love to have him on the squad, but I don't want him for $12 million, and I don't see this team restructuring, but I'd love to be wrong. Uh, we will go to Coach Calladay. 10 says, who would be a legitimate offensive line fit for us, knowing we won't spend top dollar, but some bargain guys. And we kind of talked a little bit about this when I said, hey, can you get like a Riley Reef type at right tackle, but any other position group? I, I know we've had a similar conversation when it comes to the future of left tackle is questionable. Jonah Williams is going to start next year if he's healthy. Cordell Wilson more than likely going to start. But hey, I'm not against upgrades at any position outside of Kappa and Karras. Yeah, I mean, left guard, if you want to try to upgrade, Ben Powers is out there. Dalton Reisner is out there. So those are two guys that I think are come with a higher pedigree than Cordova Volson. You can have him compete for the job, and whoever loses is an awesome backup interior guy. On the right tackle, I think they're more interested into, like, Jermaine Illuminor types or uh, George Fant types, guys that are going to make probably, like, $5 million and under for one season. Like, that's what I think they're into. And you're finding a guy that can be a good swing tackle if you draft a tackle or if you want to keep Collins, but you're also finding a guy that can start for you. Um, Andrew Wiley, I think, is very interesting because I thought he was more impressive than anybody gave him credit for for the Chiefs, including me, because I thought Hassan Reddick would have a good game against him. And I know the field wasn't good, but he did a great job. So I'm not opposed to Andrew Wiley coming in and being the starter for a year, there's there's guys out there. And if you are going to spend top dollar, it's not Mike McGlinchey. It's, um, to me, it would be Jawan Taylor. You're looking at pass protectors. You're not looking at run game guys. And Mike McGlinchey comes from an offense that is a lot of run game and takes the load off of him in pass protection. Jawan Taylor does not. He comes from an offense that is very pass protection heavy. So I think that would be a guy I would be interested in if I want to spend top dollar. I don't know how much it would be, though. And he only had one great season, even though he flashed uh, earlier and he was a high draft pick. All right, Christopher Ball says, what are the chances that the Bengals will trade back at 28 if there is no BPA to fit at that time? I mean, it takes two to tango. They're in the right spot. They've done it before in this area after pick 25, before pick like 50, like that early second round late. I don't know about late first, but early second round, they, they've done that a lot. Trade down, trade down for Mixon, trade down for base, trade down for um, Harmon. <laughs> so there's, there's, 
reason to think they could. It takes two to tango, though. I don't like projecting it. What do you think? Do you think they they what are the odds that they trade down? I think they would only trade down in the second or third round. I say you stay at 28 because it's kind of weird how people are talking about this draft and really kind of feeling like it's a down year for it. I don't Mm -hmm. agree. I feel like, you know, you could find a few stars in the first round. Offensive line is a whole nother conversation because I don't want this team reaching at 28. If the guy is not there, that gets you. And you might have to, and you might have to, because was it Duke said shallow draft. Well, you don't want to get in the situation. And and look, I'm sorry, Bengals fans, if you're a Cedric Oblehi fan, but that gets you in a Cedric Oblehi situation where you're just you're or Billy Price. You know, it, it's a it's something you don't want to be in in the first round. And look, I know the offensive line needs to get better. I was okay with it last year when all the guys were healthy. Lyle Collins had a really bad year, and that was unfortunate. But some could say it was just because he was battling injuries for the whole entire season. But me personally. If your star is there, your BPA is there at 28, I say you stay. But I only see them trading back in the second or third round. Yeah, I I think they keep the first round pick. I'd put it like 25%, 20% chance they could trade down. Like, it's not impossible. Um, something about the offensive line I also want to mention. When I listened to Brandon Thorne and Duke Mannyweather's podcast, which is very good, but I think you have to be subscribed to his sub stack. So do that, Trench Warfare. Duke said he talked to, um, I believe it was like a scouting director, somebody that he really trusts, and that scouting director for an offense for a team that's good at drafting offensive line, and I believe that scouting director said he had five draftable guards, not five guys that he would take in the first two rounds, five total that he would draft in general at guard. So that that tells you how shallow this offensive line draft might be, and what does a shallow draft do? It drives guys up. You talk yourself into a guy. Well, that guy's not going to be there when we pick next. And then they can't find a guy to trade down. So you just end up taking Billy Price or you end up taking Cedric Ogwehi or no. somebody like that. So, yeah, that, that's what happens. You talk yourself into it. I could fix him. That's, I think, one of the most common coaching phrases would be like, I could fix him. Like, yeah, he's got all these issues. I could fix that. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's not a great offensive line draft. I haven't gone through everybody. I think there's a lot of second round types, like even early second rounds to mid second round types. But there's not a guy that I'm like, is this if that guy's there? Well, Broderick Jones, I guess, but he's a he's a project. So do you want that? Do you want a project? I think it's fine because he could sit behind Jonah for a year. This would be Frank Pollock's real test. Can you develop him? They've got three offensive line coaches now, just one for development. I mean, you could talk yourself into this, right? So I can't. I can't. I think I just think there's gonna be a better position draft there that's why i think you go and you get a swing tackle in free agency it shouldn't cost you too much even if it is a billy turner he can start you might have to give him some help but he could start and he's a good swing tackle in that he can play both sides pretty effectively it's no longer hakeem adenji in that spot sorry hakeem um but you know i'd feel more confident with uh, billy turner over there so there's there's guys out there that you can get that can play both sides if you draft a tackle i think it's left tackle at 28 like i think you i think you want left tackle at 28 just because i don't agree with it but the pay disparity between left tackle and right tackle is insane law collins making seven million a year i believe is in the top 10 for right tackles and jonah williams on the open market is getting like 15 million probably somewhere around there as long as he has an okay season like finding average left tackles they're all inflated it's all like 15 million dollars for those types it's you know i think jake matthews makes 20 million he's above average but then you look at 
Donovan Smith's up up there. It's just when I think of guys who are like in that range between great and bad, like the solid players, they're making a lot of money. Taylor Lewan was making a lot of money. So uh, before he got cut, so like those, those types are making plenty of money. So that's why I think if you do draft a guy, I would kind of want it to be a left tackle, even though I don't think there's much difference in value between left and right tackle. There's more. I want to talk about this offense line and there are several mailbag questions. So we are going to get to more of your questions in the next segment. Cause there was a lot to talk about with your guys' questions. They're all great. Thank you so much for sending them. Bengals underscore sands at Ellen Diaz Patterson. So we're extending our mailbag a little bit, but I actually want to add more to the offensive line next on it's always game day in Cincinnati. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, continuing offensive line talk, which is something we talk about every single podcast uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. What if this happens? Jonah Williams plays pretty good. He stays healthy at left tackle. And Cincinnati trying to figure out an extension with Jonah Williams if he has a good 2023? Or are you still looking for that left tackle and maybe next year's draft? Um... So this is assuming you don't a Broderick Jones type doesn't fall to you and that's not the heir apparent. Yep. You don't, okay. you don't get one in the draft because you don't feel strong about it, but you buy your offensive, you buy the, your right tackle in free agency this year. It becomes very tough to buy a left tackle too, right? Because you're paying premium money for center, right guard, right tackle. And now the left tackle leaves, even talking about giving Jonah an extension, it becomes tough to pay him because you're giving premium money to that spot. So I think it could, oh man, that's so risky, right? Like that's the thing is that, yes, you could get away with not paying him. And I think that would ultimately be the right call, but you have to hit on whatever you do. That's the tough part because you're probably going to want to get cheap somewhere and your center and right guard are locked in. And let's say you paid, are you saying you paid a right tackle good money or just like? It was, it was more than the Lyle and Riley Reef type. Like right in the middle, but not okay. high end dollar. Yeah, you're gonna want to get a cheap left tackle then. You got a cheap left guard, uh, but you don't want a cheap left tackle. Then that's tough to find. Uh, but that's uh, that's the those become the challenges of being a good team, right? Like, can you find a way to get cheaper in other positions because you have to pay a quarterback and two wide receivers and a linebacker? <laughs> it's hard. You could say the same thing about, and this isn't a Chiefs podcast, but with the offensive line with Wiley and Orlando Brown, what they do in situations this offseason, because everybody remembers that Tampa Super Bowl, and they're like, oh my gosh, Patrick Mahomes is running for his life, and then they go in and secure the offensive line the following year, and then they're in a situation this offseason where they have decisions they have to make, and and again, a problem when you're a good team and you're paying guys, and yes, I like that Patrick Mahomes contract. I, I would love something very similar to that, like that for Joe Burrow, but 
you know, it does, it does get complicating if you do not feel strong about developing a left tackle in this draft. Yeah, that's why I think you can and might end up talking yourself into drafting a left tackle that might be a little bit of a project and just going, he's got a year. We've got a year to develop him. I mean, Frank Pollock's never really had the big ball of clay to mold. Like, you can consider Jackson Carmen that, but I don't know if Carmen cared off the field this issue, and that was kind of the thing with him coming into the league. And he had the back injury, so let's give him a little bit of credit, a little slack. But he lost his job to Xavier Suafilo his rookie year when he was supposed to win that. He had the inside track in that race, and then he lost his job to Cordell Volson when he had the inside track in that race. So I don't want to give him too much credit either because he also disappointed on the inside. So, but he looks better, right? Like. Is that development? It's development to me to take a guy that looks terrible and make him look passable. And that's what he did with Jackson Carmen. And that's, I would say, I thought Hakeem Adenji looked better this year, even if it wasn't great. Like there were games that he played that were solid. And I don't think you could say that last year. And then Cordell Wilson looks much improved from college. Mm -hmm. So like those things happen. Jonah Williams regressing is a point in the other direction, but he also got injured. So. I just I don't want to see Max Sharping out there ever again. Oh man, poor guy. Poor guy. He went up against Chris Jones. I know, I know, but when I watched Alex Kappa against them in December, and then I see that, I I don't want to see three injuries on the offensive line. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. What uh, teams can overcome that? Somebody tweeted me the tweet teams you think that can overcome that and list the backups that would have played when your best interior guy and both tackles went out. Because I don't think the Eagles do. They've got one good swing tackle and Andre Dillard, who's now gone. Um, and I'm not saying he's a good tackle. I'm saying he's a good swing tackle. And then I think they have a, one guy that can fill in the interior. And then what are you doing at right tackle? It, it It's very hard. It's very hard to do this. That's why I, I think it's kind of funny that we're talking like the offensive line stinks. It, it wasn't. It was just, yeah. It was just really injuries. Like it wasn't great, but it didn't look bad. Not look bad, but play yeah. bad. I think that's one of the things that people are like, oh, that's such an excuse to say three starters are out. I agree with you. I thought the offensive line was fine when they really started to connect connect and get going. And I would say almost maybe after the Thursday night game, I'm like, okay, this offensive line is going to be okay as long as everybody can stay healthy. And they did for the majority of the season until that Christmas Eve game when Lyle went down. And then Lyle went down and I'm like, okay, they can, they can, they can be okay. What's well, kind of annoying, and it's always going to be a what if because yes, they were still fighting for seeding at the time, but Alex Kappa was injured in the coin flip game, uh, the game that really mattered with the Baltimore Ravens, the last regular season game of the season. And you wonder if Cincinnati would have pulled some of their starters, even though they were playing for that number two seed, and that that was important. Uh, but I always kind of think back at that game. Maybe not all your offensive linemen are out there at that time, and and what a difference having Alex Kappa. Uh, for the playoffs so not not in buffalo they did just fine in buffalo thanks to a nice little snowstorm and, and credit to both trenches but at the same time i think about i think about alex kappa playing in the kansas city game and i feel like that would have been a huge difference maker so we'll move on because we'll move on yeah, I can totally trust them. Um, believe it or not, there are several offensive line questions. Actually, David mentions Jackson Carmen. He goes, do you think Carmen will be a above average lineman? And if so, and if so how soon? I mean, the betting odds would be no, right? I mean, there's a case you can make, but I don't know what the percentage chance is that you can be an above above average is pretty good. Like that's Ted Karras level, maybe even a little bit better. I don't know, 
above average in big range, but can he be as good? Ask yourself, can he be as good as Ted Karras? And the answer to me is probably not. Would you think it would be successful if Jackson Carmen in the net for two to three years is a nice swing tackle for this team? Would you take that? Um, I wouldn't take it for the draft position, but I'd take it for where his career was. Like it's successful for where he was and what he ended up being. Kind of like how and this guy was a starter, but Robert Gallery was drafted like second overall and he kind of stunk for a while, but he's able to turn his career around and be a good guard on the inside. Like that's a success in a way, but it's also not a success for a guy you drafted that high. So draft position, no, but for his career and where it was after his rookie season, yes, that's a success. And where he is right now, I'd still consider that a success. If he can be the swing tackle, that's a, that's a success. Do you ever go back and look at the offensive linemen that were drafted after him and think? I mean, yeah, it's Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, the guys you can always point to. It's just those two, they want an interior guy and they drafted Trey Hill over Trey Smith as well, whatever. Um, and the one... They're never doing it. Landon Dickerson picked one pick before them because uh, the Eagles – or they traded down they afterwards. But, yeah, the Eagles got Landon Dickerson one pick ahead of where the Bengals were. That was my favorite. That was my draft crush. Too bad. David had a part two, and we've talked about Cordell Volson. He said, do you think Volson will eventually be above average too? I thought he was pretty solid for a fourth-round rookie from a smaller school. I give him a much better shot. Um, maybe. I think he's going to be in that range. Like that's, I think where his career arc takes him is average above average, slightly below average, somewhere in there. How much better can he get? Cause he's as old as Jonah Williams. And I think if you ask somebody, can Jonah Williams be above average? It's a resounding. No, <laughs> if you ask that on Twitter, but there's more excitement for Cordell Wilson. Cause he only played in the league one year. He improved a lot from two years ago, his last season in college to last year, but I don't know. I think he's in that range. I think it's possible. I think it's on the higher end of his outcomes, though, because I don't think he really has a great player, a, a great guard in his range of outcomes, at least realistically. But above average, sure, it's in there. That's a possibility. Yeah, I, I hope year two for Cordell Wilson, it only gets better for him. Um, and he's cheap right now at left guard, so that's really <laughs> ideal for this offensive line. Uh, Jimmer Time says, what's the expectations for Dax Hill this year? Um, to play at a solid level, I think to be, he doesn't have to be good, but to show, to flash talent, like high end talent, and then to play at least somewhat consistently, it doesn't have to be that great. I don't think he should, has to be Jesse Bates. I just think he has to be, he has to show that he's a first round pick, I think. And he's in year two. So that puts a little more expectations on you when you're a rookie, you get a little bit, um, of, of leeway so that's what I think what do you what do you think yeah I think that you need it's a big loss without Jesse Bates yes I am assuming we've said this before he's going to be gone he's going to get the bag with another team I think what's important is bringing Von Bell back for me personally if they can extend Von Bell I'm like okay Dax is going to be all set and and maybe he'll exceed expectations um you know getting his first start at safety and replacing Jesse Bates out there next year and just kind of seeing what the difference he sees in year two by having his rookie year of being a part of those reps and, and training camp and maybe you know maybe maybe we will see a difference on defense uh but we 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 are a podcast that loved Jesse Bates out there we were we were big fans of Jesse Bates I don't feel like he was getting the credit he deserved 
um, on the defensive side of the ball this past year. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm really rooting for Dax because it, it was kind of one of those picks. We've mentioned it before. When you're good, you're going to be picking late in the draft. And I hope that happens forever. As long as Joe Burrow is the quarterback of this team that they're picking, you know, 32 is ideal um, if that ever happens. But I'm I'm rooting for this pick to work out. It, it is going to be uh, a difference maker not having Jesse out there. But I say my expectations are still high for Dax this year. It's funny, Daniel. I didn't see your tweet, but I'm going to read it, and we're going to get to a little more of your part two of it. He says, my thought is that people are forgetting just how well the offensive line played in the back half of the season until the injury struck. Do you agree with me thinking only depth is needed or are you on a big overhaul with this offensive line? We've talked plenty about this, but I think we both can agree no overhaul is needed. Yep, rapid fire is no overhaul. It's not just depth, though, because I do think you need a guy that can start week one at right tackle. Yeah, I think that's extremely important right now because they do not have a secured right tackle out there. Let's go to Dylan. He says, what are your projected stats for Joe Burrow next season? I haven't thought about this yet. Um, I did them last year, but then they ended up at 16 games, so 17 games. Uh, uh, 4,983 yards and uh, 38 touchdowns. I'm going to go 40 touchdowns. All right. I put. I went right below the two big benchmarks that people want to hear, the 5,040. Have you? I don't know if you've noticed this. And I'm not big on it. I'd rather the Bengals be sleepers under the radar. National media isn't paying attention. Joe Burrow getting a lot of love for the MVP and a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. Super, I think they, they have the second best odds to, to go to the Super Bowl again. And oh. yeah, it's there's a lot of love. They were some- below, they were below some teams last I saw. I saw them below the Bills and below the Eagles and below the 49ers last I looked. Maybe I'm on the wrong uh, betting site. Uh, but but at one point, I want to say they jumped above the Buffalo Bills. And oh, I can't remember, remember the move. I don't get the Buffalo Bills. Could you well. imagine if the Bengals got smashed at home by the Bills? What people would say about them. But then the Bills get smashed at home by the Bengals. And everybody's just kind of like, oh, well, they'll do it next year. <laughs> it's like, will they? What would have happened in that Monday Night Football game? I, the, just the way they were rolling yeah. early. I mean, it's kind of just wild to think the about. The Bills looked better that game. It did, did look better. There, were, there wasn't a snowstorm or anything like that. But Joe Burrow just had this like look, like I'm just gonna ball out tonight. And just the way he was playing was really fun for, you know, the first few minutes of that game. But I agree with you. The expectations for the Bills were so high last year. I, I kind of just want to lay under the radar. I don't, I don't like anything about that. But if you even go back to that Bills game, it, it should have been worse. The score should have been worse than what it was. I mean, the Jamar Chase touchdown that didn't count. Um, I want to say the Hayden Hurst almost touchdown. I mean, they're lucky that game didn't get worse than what it already was. We'll go to Fred Taylor. He says, do you think Joe Burrow gets extended before free agency, which is really coming up soon? No, because it's so close. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do you think he gets extended next week is basically what you're asking. I will say this. This is my, uh, I feel like I have a hot take right now. Because I think it's fun to guess when Joe is going to get extended. I feel very confident that Joe Burrow will get extended this offseason. It's extremely important. It's more important for the Bengals front office to get this done this offseason than it is for Joe Burrow because his stock is only going to skyrocket and he could get even more. Um, but I think it's you just want to get it done. I have a feeling it gets done before they – during offseason program, before camp. What sure. about you? That's about when they usually do it. Yeah, sure. I don't know. July? You're a training camp guy. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't really, <laughs> I haven't really thought about it. I was just, just picking a month in the off season. 
No, that's just, that's how I'm feeling right now. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm a little more optimistic because I want them to go ahead and get it done. But at the same time, I just... mean, they have to, they sold the rights to their stadium they, so that they could do this. So it's not like they can play hardball really. It's Pedro stadium for a reason. It's going to happen. Uh, but no, I, I, I do. I'm optimistic and look, I could be completely wrong, but for some reason, I feel like it's going to be something that happens during the off season programs. Maybe it's between the gap of June and training camp. Or maybe it'll be completely wrong and it comes right down to uh, the preseason before regular season even gets started because they do not do contracts when the season starts. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But what do you have up on all Bengals this week? Well, I did my B. John Robinson article and whatever you want to say about it, I think I think he's really good. <laughs> Whether um, you think if running back matters or not, I even put that in the thing. It was just the areas of concern, he's a running back, was basically one of them. So um, I'm going to do a couple more running backs. I'm going to do Zach Charbonnet, who I mentioned on here just about uh, however long ago. I think he reminds me of Cedric Benson, uh, and we'll see more of that, of why. Uh, and then I think I'll do Ty J Spears as well. And then I'm going to put out my running back rankings for the guys I've watched, which I haven't watched everybody. I'm going to try to get a couple games of some guys this weekend before I do that. But yeah, um, look for a Zach Charbonnet article, then a Ty J Spears article, and then the running back rankings. And then I'll be done with the position. Uh, I won't go back to it for a while. Uh, maybe like towards right before draft night, you know, it's, it's like all my rankings and they'll be there. But I think I'm going to chill on that for a while after that. I want a live look because we record normally on Thursdays and we record around seven. So the NFL draft will really just be kicking off. Um, they'll be having like the pregames of the draft. I, I want to say it starts at seven or eight. I want a live look at you when the Bengals are about to pick at 28 and Robinson's on the board at 26. And then Buffalo comes in and snags him at 27. Buffalo won't. I don't think they will. I think, I think they're scared. I think they're scared of taking running backs that high. Well, there's some uh, projections that they're going to get uh, King Henry from the Titans, Oh, okay. which is wild to me. DJ Reader will just have to stop him again uh, this time against the Buffalo Bills. So I don't know if he fits them. Yeah, that's again, it's it's that time of year that every player trade scenario, he's going to go play for this team. And no, none of we don't we don't know what's going to happen. The next two weeks are going to be fun because we have combine next week. Then you get into all the pro days, free agency, who's coming back in Cincinnati, and um, all that's going to be really fun to talk with. Make sure you're following along. It's great stuff over on All Bengals, a good running back breakdown. Also over on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.